welcome to the Habibis podcast, three game developers drinking good Arab tea. I'm your host, Fawzi Mazmar. And I'm Osama Doryas. And I'm Rami Ismail. Good to have you back, Fawzi. Oh, it's good yes. to be back. We miss missed you, you so much. We were going <laughs> to start talking last episode about some like game industry stuff, and we were like, we, we can't have this talk without Fawzi. <laughs> it doesn't work. doesn't work. <laughs> so instead, we just talked about emails. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like for for a second, I was like, "What's up with all the emails we're getting out of the blue?" <laughs> <laughs> all of those emails, I was like, "You guys want was... emails? Here's emails." I'm like, "Oh wow, Osama's, Osama's Finally, what he wanted. Finally landed. <laughs> My please. <laughs> it's nice. It was good. It was good to see so many emails. It's good is. to see so many emails. I hope you're happy, Osama. You know, I have to have, read I... all of them. I'm smiling ear to ear. I've already read all of them. Are you kidding? I replied to all of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Now I'll talk about all industry stuff this time around then. <laughs> yeah, we can talk video games and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Who wants to start? Uh, I can I want to I want to talk about uh, two games. First game is a game that you guys touched upon last week. So I heard like Rami talking about the artful escape. Oh yeah, let's do that. And I was yes, like, I want to talk opinion. about the artful escape. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm going to bring it up again this week. Should have emailed. Should have emailed. <laughs> I, I wrote in the Discord if that counts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, it, it counts. It counts. Um, man, what a game! So yeah, right. As so, as a guitar player, that that game awoken a feeling in me that I never knew I had. That I wanted to wreck out with aliens on a galactic, <laughs> on a galactic level stage. Life yeah. goals. <laughs> no, you know, like you know, like as I was playing this game, I was starting to put together the persona of who made it, so to speak. Like I, I know nothing about this game. I just started the Game Pass, and saw it, and I thought this is pretty cool, and I wanted to play it. Mm-hmm. And as I started playing it, you know, like the mechanics are pretty simple. We just, you know, it's a platformer to some extent. But, you know, like the gamey parts of the game, there's something a little bit off about them. Like as I'm playing them, I'm going like, it's cool, but it also feels like this is somebody that hasn't made a game before. Or like this is a team that hasn't been making a lot of games. Mm-hmm. It's kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, like attempting at the game. Uh, there's some cool mechanics, but, you know, like uh, there's some some stuff that, you know, like foregrounds and backgrounds, they're not really that legible in a platformer game. A gamer, a game designer, designer wouldn't really go with these kind of decisions. The jump just feels heavy and unfloaty. There's a double jump; doesn't seem like it's doing that much purpose. If you die, you really just go back two seconds behind. All the gamey parts of the game goes like, I don't, you know, I get what this is trying to do, but it's not hitting all the 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 right notes, pun intended. <laughs> and then like you know as i started playing the game more and more i go like whoever made this game is clearly a musician mm-hmm. and whoever made this game clearly has an understanding of what it's like to be on stage mm-hmm. it's kind of like somehow through the the writing of the game the story and the music it can create that feeling of like i know what it's like to be rocking out to a certain stage. extent and then, like, the story of this game describes even in the most, uh, uh, you know, de- depends on where you stand on it, but in a very interesting way. It felt like it's a, it's a discovery journey of a musician trying to find their sound, mm-hmm. ultimately. Yeah. And, it, you know, it takes you through this, uh, this game through a very artistic exploration. So as I played this, mechanically, it's kind of clunky. But um, the overall experience felt uh, visceral, very personal, and uh, a little bit of a, uh, it felt a bit authorship kind of thing, though I don't really like to use that word. Right. But it felt like this is somebody translating their own a personal life experience into a video game. Yeah. Then so, the credits, yeah. credits rolled, and lo and behold, creative <laughs> director is this guy called... Um, Johnny Galvatron. Galvatron, yeah. Galvatron. <laughs> it's yes. such a cool and I'm name. like, okay. <laughs> okay, Johnny Galvatron. Interesting. Then, written by Johnny Galvatron. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Yep. <laughs> like, what I, was talking, what I was talking about is coming into life. Then, music, also by Johnny Galvatron. Yep. <laughs> then, I looked that guy up because I was like, 
there can't be that many Galvatrons in the world. <laughs> so I, I googled the dude. That and has it to turns be a out, stage name. That can't be his real name. He had a band called the Galvatrons. He's oh. actually a musician. Yes, he is. He, he is a musician first, and then was like, I'd like to make a game. And this was their first game. Right. So like a lot of what this game ended up being makes a lot of sense to who that person is. It's kind of like Rockstar where they were, you know, musicians who wanted to make a game too when they started out. I didn't know that. Uh, It's funny because I think he did an interview where he he said that um, uh, Francis, the main character, that's the character you're supposed to, you you relate to, right? And that's just him when he was like a teenager. Mm -hmm. And then you've got... um, You've got the uh, light man, right? Yeah. Uh, who's more like uh, he's older and somewhat cynical, and that's that's him now. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool because it kind of feels like they're mirrors of each other. The one is like idealistic and youthful and naive and doesn't really understand yet what he's doing, and the mm-hmm. other has seen it all and is kind of over the peak. Yeah. And is trying to reinvent who he is, but can't go through that same journey as as Francis is. Um. Yeah, it resonated with me. Obviously, I'm not a musician, but mm. uh, you you go through a very similar trip if you do game development, right? Like yeah. if you're a designer or a creator of any kind, I think you recognize that feeling of pressure of needing to be something. We've talked about this on the podcast, right? Like the mm-hmm. doctor, engineer, lawyer, mm-hmm. uh, fitting who you're supposed to be and becoming who you are. Yeah. Um, I think the game really took that that metaphor really well. I didn't have that. Uh, I didn't have that connection to like the stage presence yeah. because uh, when I go on a stage, there's like seventy five game developers looking at me <laughs> instead of like laser shows. <laughs> but um, it was it was cool to sort of see that. You know, I always regret that a little bit about game. No, regret is not the right word. I resent it a little bit about game development. Is that you know. Uh, there's this moment as a musician or as a, I don't know, as, as most things where you get to like really celebrate your work mm-hmm. as creative. We don't really have that in games besides launching, but launching is kind of a, a private thing. Yeah. Right? So we don't really have that like public facing moment, which maybe might be good because there's a yeah. lot of hate in the game space, let's be <laughs> yeah. honest. Yeah. But Sometimes you don't the, want it. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time, you kind of look at it and you go like, well, you know, it's kind of it's kind of weird that we built this work for like three to five years and then we launch it quietly and go have like yeah. party with the team. Like, yeah. I think the closest thing we get to that is when we're showing the game in an exhibition or like, right. uh, you yes. know, like an E3 or a Gamescom or something like this and you're around the booth and you see people playing your game or you know watching people on twitch and youtube reacting to your game that's probably the closest we can get to that but it's not like you know an artist in an opening of his gallery or a writer uh, on a book signing tour or a musician going on stage at the same time like the nature of how a dev team is especially especially bigger teams like for smaller teams maybe that's not the case but especially for bigger teams how are you going to celebrate evenly the work of 400 500 right. in you, some cases thousands of people who worked on a project yeah. uh, like that stage scenario that you're describing that a musician gets that's very hard uh, right if, but then at you, the same time there's a lot of people behind the stage musician right that we yeah. never get to celebrate either it's true it's, I still don't think it's as many people as right no it isn't it clearly isn't um, the the I think the moment I had in my career that was closest was on Nuclear Throne. There was a, a YouTuber, a Twitch streamer, a star was his name, Stare, um, and um, he would come by the booth at PAX, and we became friends, and we just you know talked a lot about the game while we were developing it. And Nuclear Throne was developed over time, right? So it was built for rapid iteration uh, because we would release an update every week. We would live stream development every week, and one night I dropped into his live stream. And uh, he was playing the game and he was complaining about the frame rate. And I explained that the game had like a static frame rate because we didn't, my co founder back in the time, uh, he hadn't coded the game um, for variable time step. So if you doubled the frame rate, you actually doubled the speed of the game. Mm. Right. So Star was complaining about it. And I'm like, no, here, let me show you. And I just send him a build where the game was twice as fast. And then he played it, and it was obviously ridiculous. The game wasn't balanced for that. 
So then we started doing random stuff, and I just started adding like weapons that were over the top. I made a gun that shot a nuke, and then every second the nuke would split into three nukes, and then eventually I added lasers to the nukes and lightning storms and cannons that shoot bullets that shot bullets that then shot bullets, and eventually the I added disco effects to the lasers. <laughs> um, so eventually the entire screen just turned white, <laughs> and I think that is the most public I've been able to celebrate game development. Mm was just showing people how ridiculous game development is. And it's it's one of my favorite industry memories ever, is just sitting there and just jamming on something really, really silly. That's um, funny. But it's, it's, it's a lot like you're you're also showing the, the process of game development. Right. Rather than celebrating the final outcome, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess that's where musicians have a little bit more freedom, right? You can go on a stage and jam a little. You can go on a stage and go off, like, you know, off... Um, you you can do do something else. You can yell. You you can go off script in the lyrics. You can play something else. You can do a different version. You can improvise a little. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with a game because the game is done yeah. when it ships. Right, yeah, yeah. it's untouchable at that point. It's yeah. an interesting medium. I love working in this you, medium. But you're not actually sharing the moment with the with the players as well, unless you're actually right. playing with people. Um, that's that's one thing that's missing because when you're in, on stage performing music, like I guess the parallel is when you. Uh, record a a music track and someone else listens to to it at their home is the same as when you make a game and you release it but when you're on stage we don't have anything like that right uh, we I, don't have that moment there's not really performance to game development yeah right the, the, that's not an aspect that's there and that's why i couldn't really relate to it in the artful escape except for you know doing talks yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, no laser shows, no intro music. <laughs> I I don't get to do the intro, you know. Yeah. Maybe I should just do the intro. Yeah, you should. Is, most of the time, the audience for talks are other developers. I don't know. In my case, right. at least, like I've I've given a couple of talks to the general audience. Like I, I gave a TEDx talk at one point. That's an exception. Most of the time, it's other developers. It's not the same, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or governments, or uh, investors, or sometimes museum, or general audience. But yeah. yeah, either way, you don't get to come in with laser shows. Yeah, I once was asked whether I wanted a song to get on stage with. I don't remember <laughs> what show it was, and I was like, I have never thought about this, and no, thank you. A <laughs> uh, little, I regret that a little bit. I think also, like you know, what I what I really liked about the Artful Escape is that it's also about fighting your own demons in order for you to create something. It's kind of right, and like finding out your own sound, and like you know, you're like uh, you might be destined to make folk music, but your your own sound might be operatic uh, metal guitar wailing solos and that's your sound and you should give in to it it's kind of relating to a book i'm currently reading called courage to create mm-hmm. and it's um you know like it, it's talking about like how it's kind of part of the artist's responsibility is to overcome their own doubt as they're creating as they're like driving through their own personal journey so basically right. uh identifying the imposter syndrome as they're facing it and then overcoming it is part of the creative process itself. And I think that was beautifully captured in this game as well, in which like, you know, the protagonist is growing and trying to find out his musical taste and like the older cynical version of what that musician could be occasionally encourages him, discourages him. There's all sorts of events that are happening that are kind of standing in the way of that person discovering themselves musically. I really thought that was the the most the, the most powerful thing about the game is that you could see that Francis is on a path of overcoming who he has to be. But mm-hmm. Lightman has been who he is now so long that it also doesn't work anymore. And standing still is never the answer, yeah. right? If you're a creative. I thought that was sort of the central message for me, was the, the, the central like learning that the game tried to communicate. I, I felt it was like, wherever you are, standing still is not the solution, right? If you want to be yeah. a creative, you got to move in a direction, whether that direction is scary, whether that direction is uncomfortable, or what it, whether it's not what you're used to. You have to go in a direction because staying where you are will never be... It will never work. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. It's super cool. Uh, I think it did. It did great. But like now, I think the interesting part uh, uh, of what I would look forward to after this game is what uh, Galvatron is going to come up with next. Next. 
right? Like you this know, is he put his heart and soul and like uh, and exposed a lot of who he is into this game. What would be the next one is going to be very interesting. Like this is why, like you know, somebody said every person has a game in them. Right. I kind of understand that because you know, like how much of yourself can you put in how many video games? Right. Um, before you're like you know doing something else entirely. I mean, uh, there was this uh, designer who did a game called um, Manifold Garden. Yeah. Mm. Uh, William Cheer. Uh, incredible, incredible guy. But it was his first game as well. And it was incredibly him. And I asked him, like, you know, what, what was before this? And he's like, I used to fold balloon animals. <laughs> wow. It's like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah. And then I wanted to make this game. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's incredible. What are yeah, you going to do so next? Incredible. He's like, I don't know yet. <laughs> And what, I think that what has he done re- since? I need to know. I don't know. He launched the game, and we—I actually haven't asked him what he's going to do next. I'm very excited for the for the whatever it might be, but it might not. It might be in games. It might not be in games. I actually have no idea. But I feel like games are interesting because it it feels like um. It feels like a. Is this weird? It kind of feels like a boss fight. Mm-hmm. Right. You can do writing, you can do music, you can do programming, you can do design, but game development is sort of like all of it combined together as like the final boss of a dungeon or something. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I enjoy about it is you you can't you can some people can be good at all of it. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to solo this boss, you know, like it's, <laughs> I I just really appreciate that about game development I think in the end is is that it's always such a a, a team effort or even for games that are made by single people, there's other people involved somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know. I've I've always really appreciated that. I don't know. I, I'm not trying to say that game development is like harder or better or anything. It just feels like a a very difficult task to combine all of these different abstract media into mm-hmm. one expression that is then coherent. Well, it's it's hard to argue that game design is wider than the other mediums. It's actually, mm. I mean, there are more, there's more variety in what fits into what could be defined as a game than anything else. A movie is a movie. Uh, a book is a book. Like w- a game can be so many different things, how you interface with it, what its goals are, what it's, you know, that the, the actual platform, the medium itself is, is so vast. So when you're saying a person can be good at uh, all parts of it, it's possible. It's rare, but it's part possible a person can also lean in on the parts that they're good at and can can lean away from the parts that they're less good at and still make an epic game where every part of it is amazing because they just redefined what a game is for for themselves and just defining what a game is is hard enough compared to like a movie or a book or anything like that i actually think the artful escape is a great example of that yeah Mm -hmm. right like because it's clear like fauzi said it's clearly not a game designer's game it's a it's an it's a creative's game. It's an artist's game. It's a musician's game. But in terms of like where the platform is that you have to jump on, yeah. um, struggling with like sort of like the implications of game design as narrative. Like mm-hmm. there was actually okay. So this is this is a minor spoiler. Can we do like a thirty second spoiler segment? <laughs> sure. I guess we can. Yeah. All right. Uh, for people that don't want to hear this, uh, we'll uh, Osama will put this in the show notes. I think. I, I got you. Inshallah. Inshallah. <laughs> But it is your final warning. Spoilers. I think the most powerful narrative moment in that entire game, by far, is something I've never seen as a narrative moment in my life, which is the character creator. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree. That yeah. was brilliant. That was... That was that, I love that. Straight up brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I... I, The only reason the art... Because I enjoyed the Artful Escape. I thought it was really good. Yeah. But it wasn't anywhere near brilliant for me. Yeah. Right? Very good. Enjoyed it a lot. But that character creator, that just shot it straight up into like, this is brilliant. Yeah. This moment is memorable. I will remember this. Yeah. I feel like I really missed out. And now I'll definitely play the game. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I deliberately avoided uh, speaking about it earlier because I didn't want to spoil it because it's such a surprising moment. Right. As well. Mm-hmm. As it comes in, you're like, oh, okay. And then like it has a, a, a weighted feeling afterwards, which I thought was yeah. great. It was really good. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, this is where the spoilers end. Yes. <laughs> and I think that, it's also a good time for me to transition to the other game I want to speak about, which I imagine yes. a lot of you guys have played. Yes. Um, so I downloaded, I played Arcane Leon's new game, Deathloop. 
And yes. I love it. I love it's it. It's fantastic. Very good. It is. It is. I think the word I would like to use to describe it is: is it's so elegant. Mm-hmm. In terms of like, as I think about this, in terms of like, this is a game that makes you want to use four to five maps of some sort, and you go like, how can I make a game about you using these maps, and these weapons and these abilities, in a, uh, repeatedly in a way that will be still meaningful and would make sense within a nerve construct. Okay. So kind of like I have this small lure budget to make this game, and I can only make four or five maps. I can only make these kinds of weapons, and I need to reuse a lot of the abilities that we've used in like our previous Dishonored games and stuff like that, and reuse a lot of the same tech. How can we make a game that has its own narrative uh, hooks? And it makes sense as its own story. And I think like they made a design that answers a lot of these questions. Right. I don't think I would use elegant. Oh. I think I think it it has moments of elegance, but I think at times it it also is very notably clunky. Mm-hmm. Right. A part of that is because it's a really hard design to communicate. Right. Yeah. Like the possibility space really balloons really quickly. And I think I would use economical. Yeah, it works. Right. It's a very economical game. It uses very few ingredients to very strong effect, right? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the reason I don't I don't use elegance is because you can kind of feel that in there still, mm-hmm. right? And it, it might just be the polish. It might be the way they wrapped up the game because let, let's be honest, the polish on the game is is kind of clunky. The the sort of like the load screens, the menus, the interfaces. It's it's all not f- flawless. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or not even good in some cases, but the core game loop is is very well done. Obviously, like brilliant. Like the yeah. it's simple. It it it's simple to understand when you understand it. <laughs> Maybe we should describe it to people listening. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like a good idea. I'm really sad that I'm not able to participate in this conversation because I was super excited for the game and I preloaded it. And then as soon as it became available, I got super busy and I barely played it. I played it for like maybe an hour, max two. I can't remember how long. The good, the good news is that the game is, it has it has nice narrative. I actually, the narrative is one of my favorite things about it. It's mm-hmm. very confident. It's very loud. It's very uh, um, uh, unapologetic. But um, that's not the part that is interesting to talk about, even though it's very, very good. Right, Fuzzy? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 yeah. the systems of this game is what drives mm-hmm. it for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it has an uh, an incredible sense of style. I love it. Right. Like, it, But the, that sense of style, you've seen it in the trailer. The game mm-hmm. delivers on it. You know, that uh, the the music, the characters, yeah. the the art direction, it, it's yeah. all there. It's all in there. It's very strong. It's I a game the that 60s has a aesthetic. Exactly. I love it has a very acting. strong identity around that, and they definitely deliver on it. Right, but it's the mechanics. Yes. Right. It's the core mechanic, which is relatively straightforward. Right. You've got these various locations, and you, as the main character, um, cult, you wanna you wanna achieve a certain number of goals before the day is over. Mm -hmm. Right. And you can try and solve those problems in different orders, but every time you complete a map, the day moves forward in time, right? So you're trying to create this optimal path from start to finish where you complete the objectives that you have to complete. And a large part of it is just experimenting. You're just experimenting in the maps. You're running around. You're trying to figure out what tools you can get, what stuff you can get. Exploring ways of like getting to people, figuring out where they are at what time, what their weak spot, hey, what their weak spots are. You know what that reminds me of? Um, mm-hmm. Dead Rising, the first Red Dead Rising. Is it similar to that? So Dead Rising, the, the world always plays out in a specific way, and what you're gaining mostly out of it is like the knowledge of what's happening where, uh, like which survivors you get and which of the. Uh, the, the villains, I, I guess, you know, the cinematic boss fight type things are happening where, and then when you die, you start over. So it's a little bit of that, but then with a little bit of um, um, uh, save the date or 12 minutes, like wrapped into it. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, 
Which is actually, I found that very interesting that, that these two games came out so close to each other. Yeah. Because there's definitely a little bit of 12 minutes in, in that loop. Yeah, um, it's the same kind of events kind of transpire and how you interact with those events ultimately changes the outcome. And you need to keep uh, on experimenting with how you can change the, the chain of events so that you can achieve the objective. Right. Of doing a bunch, a series of things in the same day. So that's how you finish the game, basically, is that you need to do, need to hit these targets all in the same day before it loops to break the loop. And to, to understand how to do that, you want to do it not in one day and just learn. Yeah. Right. So you're going to go and be like, okay, I'm going to figure out what to do about this target. And you just spend a few a few loops, right? Like figuring out stuff, figuring out routes, figuring out where you can go, what stuff you need to do it, what what kind of uh, paths you have, what kind of enemies might be where. And you're just kind of learning. So it's this big jigsaw puzzle happening in your head as you're running around in uh, what is effectively a, a dishonored game, but 60s confidence instead <laughs> of uh, uh, sort of like the, the beautiful, the same level of world building, honestly. Uh, in the Dishonored games. So uh, I... It's the kind of game where you play the... the How they introduce it is a large part of why it works. And I think the introduction is probably the... the so the opening introduction is probably one of the strongest points of the game. Mm -hmm. Like you just start the game and you... Like this is not a spoiler because it happens four seconds in. But it doesn't go well for you. Um... <laughs> And then it doesn't go well for you again. And the game just kind of like explains how poorly things go for you. <laughs> and I thought that was a really cool kickoff because you kind of have this level of, um, what is it? Like um, uh, you want to oppose the game. Mm. You really want to oppose the game. Like right from the start, you're like, nope, nope, absolutely not. We're not going to, this is not going to happen again. And uh, I, I think they do a really good job of setting you up with, with this sort of like, What's the English word? Like a recalcitrant, uh, obstinate, like this 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 very stubborn man <laughs> as your avatar. Um, to just be like, nope, I'm going to do better than that. Hmm. Uh, and then, you know, you die in very, very disappointing way. <laughs> at least I do <laughs> spend a lot of time at the bottom of anything with water. Um, very, very unfortunate. But So I have a question. Um, I don't know if this counts as a spoiler or not, so I'll tag it retroactively. But it, I think I saw it in the trailers, and I knew about it before the game launched. But you're able to play multiplayer. You're, you're able, if I'm not mistaken, to invade someone else's game and be an antagonist uh, in the game. Mm -hmm. yes. Did either of you interact with that gameplay in any way, either either direction? Yeah. 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 How was sure. it? It's is fun. It, is it a gimmick? Is it important? Is it fun? Like, it, it's not a gimmick. How do I say this? Like, you you see it honestly. and you see that um, okay, like this is a clear Dark Souls inspiration. There's a bunch of Dark Souls inspiration in this game. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like there's this thing when you like you need to go back to where you died last time to collect the stuff that you had on you. So mm -hmm. very clear Dark Souls inspirations there. And then there's this mechanic in which other players could invade your um, game at any point in time, and it becomes a hunt and a hunted, a hunter and a hunted kind of gameplay, in which the female character Juliana is trying to find you and shoot you. But if you shoot her, then you can uh, loot and get a whole bunch of stuff that are useful. Um, I think in in this game it's kind of uh, the, different than Dark Souls in which like the the invading character is not always stronger than you are, which I found my experience in Dark Souls was. <laughs> People that that invaded me in Dark Souls just only made my life worse. Um, in Deathloop, a lot of times I've been managed to come out on top and actually gained a bunch of benefits from that. Hmm. Right. Okay, that's interesting. Mm. It is definitely something you don't see very often in games. So you intriguing. can completely turn it off and have a, uh, I would say, an uninterrupted and probably, yeah, I wouldn't say better, but like more of the like the similar experience without that feature entirely. You can turn it off. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's 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 a semi gimmick, right? It's it's cool enough when it happens. It's fun, but also. It's weird in that it, it happens kind of at arbitrary times, 
mm. right? And the way of getting away from it is usually easy. Like if you just don't want to engage, that's that's a thing you can do. Um, I I I had no particular feelings towards it. I think it's really fun to invade. Uh, mm. More so than to survive an invasion. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it didn't make me want to keep the... It, I have no reason to keep it on. I don't feel like the game is better or more fun. I just am kind of... Part of me is kind of sad that they use that character that way. Because, mm. uh, you know, like the, she is a, a really cool character. Uh, but it, it kind of loses... I don't know. It it lost a bit of a little bit of its shine for me really quickly. Hmm. Um because I wanna I wanna I wanna play the um I really wanna play this game stealthily. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that's how I play Dishonored as well. And uh, a a Juliana player will definitely mess that up. Intentionally, yeah. Right. That that's kind of the point of a Juliana is that she comes in and just starts wrecking stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um I didn't feel like there was a good kind of mouse kind of game going on. I didn't feel like it was like fun particularly, but it it has it has this cool feeling of like, oh no, that's really nice. But I only I also only found it nice like three or four times. Maybe I'm just not that much of a roguelike player in that regard. <laughs> I think that's um, that's what I think is like one of the most difficult things about this game is that. The trailer did an amazing job, but I don't. I can. I can't imagine a trailer that can accurately explain what this game is. Is just because it's so. Uh, they're so nuanced. Like the the the. I thought it's gonna have a lot more rogue like elements to it, than right. it, than it did going in. Um, and like the the whole detective aspect of it in which like I need to find out what happens where so that I'll be there at the right time are these kinds of stuff like I didn't really get them from the trailer either and I think even as I'm playing the game they only became more clear to me what they are further into the game so the more I played it the more I kind of appreciated those smaller details those 12 minutes aspects of the game as you described them Rami Um, but you know like early on a lot of these things I just didn't see Right, yeah. So like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not still at the point. So I think I've maybe played it seven hours so far. So I haven't finished it yet. I'm at this point when I'm like, I, re- I re- I'm really excited to see more of how everything comes together. But there is also a part of me that goes like, I'm not sure if I want to go in and do a couple of more loops of uh, grinding similar stuff. You know, getting some more right. elements to upgrade my skill or to keep a gun or something like that but that's actually a very valid way of playing right yeah like that, that's actually what i find myself doing i just hop in a loop and i just grind away a bit yeah just get some better stuff to infuse and then go from there yeah that's what i'm doing right now almost like right. leveling up my character so to say right. i make sure that i have all the beefy stuff good to go before i yep. attempt that final run i guess I enjoyed that. I also enjoyed at one point I noticed that I was trying to unlock something and I needed a code for it. Mm-hmm. And I had ri- written down that code right from a previous loop and it had changed. Oh, no. Whoa. And I was like, wait, what? Uh, so some stuff actually changes between the loops. Okay. So you can't necessarily like look up stuff. Uh, I think that's probably the goal, right? Because I remember there was this really hard puzzle back in uh, Dishonored, and a lot of people just kind of Googled the outcome. Yeah. Uh, I think Arcane just did a little like... <laughs> no, the, the numbers are... Um, like So the, the key codes, all of them are generated for your game randomly. Right. So they will stay... Uh, so the, the number for the same door stays the same number for the same door, I guess, but it's only unique to you. So right. my no, so that the number for the same door for me is going to be different there's, than the one for Osama. Right. Wow. The, but there's also actually like codes that seem to change. Yeah, yeah. There, so. There's there's some stuff later on that the security like there's this person or security code that changes stuff. But if you kill right. that person at a specific uh, time period, then you can get the code. Or the code wouldn't change. Right. Yeah. So that's fun. 
There's a bunch I've of I've enjoying it things. a lot. There's a bunch of it's these. It's a things. lot of smart mechanical little things in the game, which yeah. is really the joy of it. Is going like, did they do that? They <laughs> did do that, huh? Yeah. Yeah, having a lot of fun with There's it. There's a lot to explore. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, finishing it, really. I want to see how everything comes together uh, as well. The power journey of me like gaining those abilities and then gaining better guns and then the loops becoming much easier or like I start to feel like a real ninja. Um, right. It gets like much better. Like blink on top of a lamppost, jump and stealth kill two people, then link five people together and crack the neck of the other person, killing everybody. So like I can like those now, are all dis- dishonored abilities. It's basically it's it, it is dishonored. You. It's dishonored. It's like telling it's you dishonored. like how can you make a game that is only four maps using all the mechanics from dishonored, wow. <laughs> uh, um, and st- uh, still make sense narratively yeah so i see yeah. what you mean by elegant now the yes. use of that word okay they, they, they basically got 10 really good voice actors a really good <laughs> art team and then four maps yeah wow. i could like i could imagine you know myself being in that situation of like i'm being brought into a room and go like here's your creative brief this is your <laughs> budget this is the people you get this is the, the the assets that you can create make it make a game out of it kind of thing yep. wow. yeah yep they yeah, did it. It's, they they did made it, it very they good. They really did. They, 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 I, to be honest, I prefer this to Dishonored. Hmm. I'm I'm a little bit in the middle still, but I think as the puzzle comes together more for me, I might I might lean that way. Mm. Aesthetically, uh, maybe like the characters. Oh, yeah. I like the characters a lot more. I like the yeah. world a lot more. But I think it's mostly because this is fresh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think I like I like Dishonored, and I think I like Dishonored more when Dishonored just came out. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because it, that was fresh back then. It was kind of new, this weird, like, gothic-inspired, like, big old city, wills everywhere. Things are, like, grim and dead. And, and Deathloop is just kind of, like, lol. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not right. um, it's not uh, my take on Dishonored in Absolution. as what I feel about Dishonored in comparison to Deathloop. Mm-hmm. So, like, this studio's creations, Deathloop is my favorite. Okay, I think. Well. I think aesthetically, it, it might very well aesthetically end up being... Aesthetically speaking, yes. Yeah. It might very well end up being... But for now, I just really enjoy it because I, it's kind of optimistic in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And I kind of miss that in video games. Mm-hmm. Right? The sense that like, okay, yeah, things are things are bad. But if we if we just kind of work at it, they'll get better. There's a, you know? There's a you know, party going on. <laughs> yeah. This is a great time. Like, everybody's having a blast. Yeah. Um, I really like I really like Colt and Juliana. Yeah, uh, they're great characters. Like, yeah. uh, you know, if that isn't up for like character of the year kind of stuff, mm-hmm. like I I don't know who is gonna be because <laughs> it is hard to beat these two. Yeah. Um. So I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing that all pan out. But yeah, no, great great game. Having a good time with it. Looking forward to hear Osama's. Uh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully this week will quiet down, so I'm able to give you a little bit more. I mean, I just. Like I said, I played the opening sequence. I see a little bit of what you're talking about. I, I, I love the aesthetic choices. I, I actually fell in love with with Colt right away. Juliana has potential. Uh, it's shaping up to be one of my favorite games of this year with just what I've seen and just what you've said. I just really want to have the time soon. To yeah, explore. and maybe when you play it, I can watch Shang-Chi, so you have something to talk about as well. <laughs> yes, yes, although I'm forgetting it. I think I have to watch it again now. <laughs> oh, okay. The, the, well, it's been like The worst. The worst. Did you play anything else, Osama? Uh, I actually, again, I sampled one other game, but it was just a sample, not enough to be able to talk about it. Um, it's a... And what was it called? It was a pixel art game that came out on Game Pass. This that looked really exciting. Let me find the name. It's Flynn, Son of Crimson. Um, uh-huh. So I didn't again didn't play it long enough to to give too much of an opinion. So I'll just talk about the aesthetic. Uh, the pixel art is gorgeous. It's really really good. Uh, as as far as platforming goes, um, sorry, as far as gameplay goes, the, it was just a simple platformer from what I saw. It, it there was there was no twist yet. So I'm right. I'm holding my breath. I'm waiting that to see if it improves over time. But I'm That's really beautiful. excited to. Oh, it's it was it really is. really good looking, uh, but like nothing happened that we haven't seen in games before. 
so uh, yet so i'm waiting to see hopefully next week i'll be able to report on it and let you know what i think about it uh if i have time after finishing the artful escape because i really definitely have to try that and Deathloop, because oh my god i've been waiting for this game for <laughs> so long now uh it's a good time to be a gamer there are too many options too yeah. many options i th- i suggest just as an industry sort of like, uh, what was the title they gave me at GDC? Ambassador. As an industry ambassador, <laughs> yes. I suggest that we spread out our launches a bit more. Yeah. As an industry-wide mandate, like, yeah. how did I not have anything to play for four months and now I have six games to play in one week? Yeah. Tell me about it. This is some nonsense. Well, I get it. 2020 was a tough year for game development, man. Yeah, it, <laughs> I get it. It really was. But also, Yanni, come on. Yeah. Like just put anything there, a little, a little closer. Well, Deathloop was supposed to come out in May, you know. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. So yeah. like a yeah. bunch no, of games was... are supposed to come out earlier in the year and get pushed. But, it, but let's be honest, this happens every year. <laughs> yeah. You have December, and then okay, December twenty-five games come out, and then in February you finish the last one of the twenty-five, and then March <laughs> to April there's nothing happening, and then May something happens again, and then by the time we're in like September, you're playing twenty-four games at once. Yes. <laughs> You don't have to I played. Play I, any of them. I I also played WarioWare. Oh, I played WarioWare as well. Did you like it? You know what, Rami? Like I thought about you uh, the whole time. I remember you not liking it, right? But I kind of did like it. It's a it's a it's a WarioWare game. But like before, you needed to figure out how to play the game, the the micro game, and then being able to do it as quick as possible. So you need to figure right. out what the mechanic is and then figure out what the objective is. Right. And you have 10 seconds. And this one, yes. because you've selected the character beforehand and every character have a, 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 a set a set of mechanics, then you know what the mechanics are when the micro game is starting. But you still have right. to figure out the winning objective. Right. And I think that... You know, remove that element of like trying to figure out the mechanic earlier, sure. It, in some cases, it was worse than before. But in a lot of cases, it removed that part in which, like, ah, have I known what I'm supposed to do, I wouldn't have lost this micro game that all the Warrior right. games of before had. So I kind of appreciate it, in fact. Yeah, I I don't. <laughs> I know. I think I think for me the charm was that you would play a minigame and be like, What what was what was I what huh? Yeah. And and now it's just like, okay, I'm this. Like, I will say, so the, the one reason I want to go back to this game mm-hmm. uh, to discuss it a few more minutes is that I played it with a friend. Oh, that was about to say. The multiplayer. This one has multiplayer. And the multiplayer is great. The multiplayer is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the multiplayer is mostly great because as soon as there's two characters, you go back to not necessarily knowing what you have to do. Not because you don't know what you have to do, but because the interaction between the two different characters is random. Mm-hmm. And and just you you know I might be trying to get a hypnotizing clock to go left and right by shooting it, and the other person is trying to push it, and now there's chaos and we fail. Yeah. Despite both of us knowing what to do, but we <laughs> hadn't figured out how to do it yet. It's fun. It's right. uh, that kind of chaos is like I feel like it's a signature Nintendo kind of multiplayer chaos. I really really enjoyed that yeah. part. But as soon as I went back to single player, I'm like, this is just not what I want from a WarioWare. Like I'm, I'm, I get it. I'm selecting characters and like picking up strategies. For me, WarioWare is like brain is off. Yeah. Press the button. Press the button. Nope, that button. No, okay. There is a part of me like you know, and I appreciate that that not not everybody would feel the same way. But I mm-hmm. I appreciate the game sometimes not just for how they play because I also appreciate them for how they were made. Because right. I play a lot of games that way. And this WarioWare is a lot more difficult to make than all the previous WarioWares. In right, which, it is. Because this this one, every micro game needs to be completely to winnable uh, with the same character. time zone, with uh, time, uh, what do you call it, time limit to Ooh. all the characters. Yep. So whatever input mechanisms you're using or whatever the input mechanics are, but, you should be able to achieve the objective. But here's the thing. That's why I find it less impressive. Okay. Because that's a lot of work for something that isn't actually more fun or interesting. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Than the original. Like, that's the thing. Every game has this sense of genericness to me. Mm. 
right? Like yeah. in the old WarioWare, the games would go out there. You're like picking your nose. You're like chopping a block of wood. You're diffusing a bomb. Well, you're, <laughs> this and, one, you're picking um, armpit hair. Does that right? <laughs> Which I honestly thought that was that was fun, and it's and it sustains that sense of randomness. But it can't help that at the end, every game in this one is kind of the same. It's not as touch, crafted as right, the previous touch, ones. Touch this. Go there. Or don't don't be there, right? And I feel like the old WarioWare was like tap buttons fast, yeah, right. Th- that game already can't really exist anymore in this one. No, uh, the the previous ones relied a lot on almost touch screens, right? To some yeah, extent, th- th- or like Wii based gestures, right? Or on on the Game Boy Advance version, just having weird buttons around yeah, that yeah. you can press real fast, yeah. right? I I don't know. I feel like this WarioWare is. What you get when you try to make a WarioWare that is more consistent. Yeah. And I and I think the quality really went up a step, right? Like it's it's beautiful. There's like fun, fun little stories. Mm. The world map is great. The amount of characters you get, the amount of mechanics, the 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 ability to play every game with every character, really impressive. Yeah. Just for me, a worse game, which makes all that work feel <laughs> Like a bit of a, you could have just you could have just gone the easy way, y'all, and that would have been better. I think so. I I agree with that. Uh, have if they would have made uh, a warrior game like all the previous ones, it would have been way less work for them, and probably not have to risk the works for some people doesn't work for others. Right. But I generally think that uh, creating those characters enabled them to be able to create multiplayer. Right. I think that is true. And if if they didn't have those characters, you know, the multiplayer wouldn't have existed in the same way. Right. So it's a it's a trade off. Like the you yeah. could you couldn't get the levels to be as crafted as you would like them, uh, Rami, because like in the previous Warrior games, the games can only be crafted for that mechanics. Yeah. Like the the, the level or the micro game was made around you touching the screen or using the direction buttons and all of this. Whereas in this one, the micro games are made so that you can use any character. So that you know inherently will have some kind of generic thing to them. But yeah. now we can have multiplayer. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I look forward to the next one. Maybe they'll figure out how to make it more crafted again mm. and keep the multiplayer. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if it's impossible, right? If those goals just oppose each other, but I, I have a feeling that it's possible. I, don't, I think it most probably is possible, but this is like the step there. The first, the the, the quickest, the first thing that will come to mind in terms of how can I solve this issue? Right. Yeah. You know. Well, I look forward to their second attempt at it. Yeah. yeah. I will say, I'm I'm only going to continue this game if the same friend is is visiting. Yeah. Because I don't. I don't see a reason to play it otherwise. Yeah, with 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 people is fun. It can't go up to four right. players. Oh, yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, I'll get four friends over. Yeah, exactly. Three friends. I'll get three friends it, over. It 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 is it is trying to move from being the the quick thing you play on the bus sort of game to a party game. Right. So I feel like this is like how they're trying to transition the game, so to say. I mean. It is. It is more of a party game. It's just not what I wanted from WarioWare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Re- um, I get it. But you know, inshallah, and it'll be it'll, you know the next the next game. Yeah. Um, this one I'll I'll probably finish it as friends are over. But it definitely didn't have that staying power. I know I've been talking about Spookware to like people's like. <laughs> yeah. Um, the fourth time you mentioned it. Right. But it. <laughs> It it was really odd playing that game and sort of keeping it next to WarioWare and just be like, no, the, that's that's what I wanted. Yeah. Uh, and then have WarioWare and be like, no, that's more like Mario Party but weird. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I don't know. It it is it is what it is. It's not a bad game. It's it's beautifully made, but it's it's not what I had hoped for. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a departure from what the series is known for. Right. Um, I appreciate hey. it nonetheless. I still prefer the touchscreen ones to it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm happy to be playing a warrior game still, you know, like on on the Switch. Fair. Yeah. I'd love I don't know. Hopefully one day I'll get a Rhythm Paradise on the Switch as well. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I felt like a lot of these games of are kind of, you know, like the the Mario RPG games, the um, the uh, Rhythm Paradise games, the WarioWare games, those are like, you know, the smaller 
portable games. But those right. are, those I enjoy a lot. So I hope right. I hope that they can still make them in the same way. It seems like they're interested in doing it. So that that's yeah. good news. I remember the studio that used to make the Mario RPG series shut down uh following oh, really? the Switch release. Huh. Uh, but I wonder if, like you know, they move the production of that to uh, another studio because, like, uh, there was uh, you know, they that's the studio that made uh, Mario, uh, uh, Bowser's Inside Story, uh, uh, Dream Team, Mario and Luigi. Right. I love those games. They're very funny. <laughs> but it seems like they found themselves merging into the Paper Mario kind of world now. Like Paper right. Mario is kind of having a lot of that type of writing, which I find hilarious. So. Right. I didn't actually enjoy the latest Paper Mario that much, though. You know, I hear that from my friends about every Paper Mario that comes out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I think so, since the first Paper Mario, Nintendo has never really managed to uh, managed to, to match top it. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but the, the, oh. the last Paper Mario I enjoyed, I think it was one of the best in a while. The 3DS one, I did not like I, that much. I think I I agree, but it still wasn't good for me <laughs> yeah yeah I, I get it. it it was it was it was okay it had weird pacing issues mostly the, the combat, very wonderful job. the combat can kind of get annoying when you need to just uh line up can. the goombas can <laughs> combat is annoying <laughs> yes <laughs> my god yes. please make it stop <laughs> i i don't think i've ever played a game where i was like i will run by any enemy i can avoid at any given point, always. <laughs> it was, I was I was so done with the combat. Like four hours in, I was like, if I never have to rotate a wheel again, <laughs> my life will be so much better. Uh, but it was such a joyful world How and like so so beautiful it's and so endearing and so beautifully constructed. And it's and so then funny. they make me rotate a wheel. And then, just, the, turn it left, turn it right. I really think that those games are some of the best writing in video games right because very few mm-hmm. games can like make me laugh out loud as i'm playing a game on my own and those right. games always manage to do that wow yep but that's not an easy thing to do like no. humor in games is very difficult the the, oh. the treehouse uh, guys and their translation is you know top notch right yeah they do they do incredible work yeah. um one more game i want to mention oh uh opus Echo of Starsong came out. I, I saw you tweeting about this. It looks like my kind of game, but what is it? So it is hard to explain. Um, it's kind of a side-scroller. Okay. It's kind of a puzzle game. It's kind of a, a, a what do you call it? An interactive novel, visual novel. Okay. Um. And it's a little bit of a, not quite a clicker game, but a, a game where you you know manage uh, um, um, resources and explore places. Oh my oh. god, there's so many different things. Yeah. Right. So here's what happened. This is a team that I met years and years ago, and they've been making this series called the Opus series for years. They're based in Asia in uh, uh, Taiwan. Uh huh. Um, and they've been they've been making this game for forever um the series Mm -hmm. to be precise uh since forever and the um the the core sort of um idea of them is that they're always very narrative heavy puzzle games Mm -hmm. and they used to be on mobile and i played a prototype seven years ago of a mobile game of theirs of this game of of an opus game right one of them how many of them are there I think there's three. Three. Um, and this the, the first one I played was uh, Opus, The Day We Found Earth, I think. Okay. Um, and it was this cute, charming little puzzle game on mobile that I thought, there's no way this is not going to do well. Mm-hmm. Right? And then it did really well in Asia only. Oh. And it never made it across to anywhere in the West. Right? Um. And that was kind of heartbreaking to me because when I talked when I talked to them, they were like, "Hey, we really hope this game will come to the West." And we talked a little bit about like the press and like stuff like that. And I gave them the best advice I could give them, right? Mm-hmm. And it it just didn't. And it was such a powerful game. It was like, you know, you don't expect a mobile puzzle game to make you sit there and like feel feelings, yeah, all that much. You know, some have done it, but um, this was really really powerful. Wow. 
So I thought, okay, you know what? Let, let's just you you keep going, right? Next game will break through. So to make a next game, didn't break through either. And then with this one, they said, okay, we're gonna make a PC game. Aha. Uh-huh. So this one's on Steam. This one is on Steam. Okay. And they start on it, and I've been helping them and talking with them, and sort of like, uh, you know, they've we've we've caught up every now and then on how things are going, and they've done everything right, right, everything mm-hmm. right. And this is a wonderful game. I cannot stress how wonderful it is. I'm not part of the development team. <laughs> I don't get any money for this, right? <laughs> uh, I've just literally talked to them because I feel so bad that every time they release these incredible games. And just silence. They're based right? in, in Taipei, you mentioned. Uh, yeah, in Taiwan. Oh. Um, and it was just really weird to me that, that you know, it reminded me of a large part of what I do. What I do is trying to help people in emerging territories because it is just unfair. It's not fair. If you, yeah. If you're in the West making games based on Western culture, on stories about, I don't know, somewhere in the US or in, in, in Canada or Europe or whatever, you're always going to have an advantage over somebody making a game from anywhere else. Because mm-hmm. you have to explain the place, you have to explain the culture. Uh, I think Echoes of Starsong is based on, a old, on an old story, mythological story. Mm. Nobody would recognize that. You can make a story about any character from like European or US history and people go like, oh, that's that story. Huh? Mm. Right? People would pick up the metaphor. People would pick up why you're using that story to tell this story. Mm-hmm. And for this, it's opaque to a lot of people. Right? And especially in the press, which is exactly the kind of people that would normally write about a game like this based on a literary tradition wonderful emotional made by an interesting team they just don't pick up on it they don't they don't see the value of the game right mm. and it's really sad because it is genuinely um it's genuinely a staggering game right it has a big storyline it's an emotional storyline it is um a very interesting world a very um a very rich world um it's a story that plays out partially in the game and partially in your head. They do that really well, you know? Mm-hmm. Something that all best games do, mm-hmm. I feel. Absolutely. Um, it's stunning. The music is amazing. It has a little bit of that feeling of like um, a Final Fantasy story, you know? Mm. Like a good Final Fantasy story where you 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 come in and it's the story about overcoming everything. Um. But everything is not just an enemy. It's also partially you. It's partially the world. It's partially the systems that govern the world, you know? Um, they got their first, like, big Western review the other day. Oh. Uh, over at Kotaku. Um, and it is the happiest I've been in a very, in a long time. Because these folks so, so, so deserved it. Um, and it's wild. Because they still, like, even though Kotaku knew, now wrote the review... Um, they're still sitting at only three over at Metacritic, so they don't even have a meta score yet. That's heartbreaking, <laughs> right? They, they just straight up don't have a meta score. That is heartbreaking. They are no, overwhelmingly no. positive on Steam. Yeah, on Steam, over they're over- killing thousand five hundred. Every reviews. time, every person that plays these games goes, "Okay, yeah, this is special." Okay. And that was true for Ec- for Opus. Um, this, this was true already for the day we found Earth. It's true for Echo of Star Song. These are incredible games, and people are just people are just missing out on it. They're just missing out on some of the best games that you know I've played on mobile. Now one of the just this incredible game on PC, and people are just not playing it because they're not being told about it. Well, the, what can we do to get one more review? Is so difficult, just, man. Just one, one more, more review. review. Are we opening a Habibi's review website? Let's do and it. Just subscribing it to. <laughs> That's it. This We're is going to be our only review for a long time. <laughs> this is our only review ever. Send us I wish I could do that. Info at right. the <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if if you are listening and you are looking for something truly special, uh, I can I can really recommend Opus Echo Star Song. Yes, I'm biased. Yes, I love the developers. Yes, I think they deserve much better than they've been given by the the Western industry and the Western media. Um, so maybe you know, isn't that kind of the point of the Habibis? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. To 
I, I just not... bought a copy, so that that Good. that should help. <laughs> and like, um, should I do the Twitter comment thing and tell you? Can you tell them to make a switch port? <laughs> right. Yeah. Go go for it. Go like, for genuinely, it. go for it. <laughs> I am the Twitter comment, the YouTube comment. Is you... this available right. on Linux? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I will go apologize to the developers <laughs> right now. Apologize on my behalf. Yeah. So can I get a Linux switchboard, please? Can I play this on the Game Gear? <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want a Linux port to be on Linux. I want you to make a Linux port and then port that one to Switch. I don't want a port of a Windows version on my Switch. That's disgusting. Um, but yeah, can Opus I, Echo of Starstone. The really mobile version that. does it run on my Ouya? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it will. It will. It absolutely should. It, it absolutely should. Do you still have an Ouya? No, of course not. No, I, still I still have, have my Ouya. It's lost... in a box in a closet somewhere. I threw I away two, mine uh, a couple of moves ago. I bought, I bought two Ouyas and one of them I never opened. <laughs> well, it, supporting the cause, huh? Yeah, I was There's... at the time. I really believed in it. Same, uh, same, same. I believed in it. I um, I put Super Crate Box on the launch edition of the Ouya. Wow. Yeah. Then I did nothing, and then I just never talked about it again. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is most people's attitude towards most the Ouya. Most people's feeling yeah. about the Ouya. Yeah. My memories anyway. of the Ouya was uh, free food that they gave at the back of an E3. The <laughs> <laughs> they were in a parking lot at an E3, and they were giving yep. out free food or beverages. So that was great. It was very helpful during E3. <laughs> it was very hot that day. For sure. Yeah. No, that, that's how you do a good E3 boot is you have food and drink. <laughs> that's it. The game doesn't really matter. They like got, you, they got me out of the convention center so that there's that's enough. <laughs> All that matters. All that matters. Um, so uh, I guess it's a good time to call it and give people a break from us. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. That's more than enough. That's more than enough. Go out there and the get time, foods and beverages and other stuff. Instead of either by the time people listen to this, I'll have presented an orchestra Ooh. up in the north of the Netherlands. And it's the first time I'm going back on a stage in a year and a half. Wow. And I must say, you looked really good in your suit, Grammy. You should share those pictures once they're up. Yeah, okay. I haven't seen okay. it. Yeah, I want to no. see it. I'll, I'll send. I'll send. I'll send it over. I'll send send it us over. some photos. Uh, I will. Send, I will send it to you. It'll be on my Twitter by now, I think, because I think I'll, I'll just have some photos from the event itself. But uh, yeah, I've I've had a lot of fun shopping for a suit. Uh, wow. I really, I don't know. It always works. It always works well on me suits. So nice. Uh, I only have one suit. You have and, one, and I don't know where. Oh, I put I'm. It. <laughs> I'm extremely Arab, I think. Like my dad, my dad was always like, "No, we're gonna get a suit. We're gonna get a suit. We're gonna get a tailor mate. I know just the guy." Wow! Right. So in Cairo, we would always like uh, we would always know a guy that knew a guy that could make a suit happen. So you're um, the guy that could take me suit shopping one day. Yeah, oh yeah! If you're ever in the Netherlands, let me take you to my favorite suit store. Okay. They've been my they've been my provider for suits for like seven years. Well, nice. And they're incredible. They they will adjust the suit. I had a problem with the suit in that um, uh, I'm holding presenter cards, uh-huh. so my right arm is like halfway up most of the time. Okay, and it was giving the the um, one of the arms of the suit sort of like an ugly um, shape because it was like you know uh, doing the little what is it word in English raffly like it yeah it had this weird wave in the material uh, right like draping a bit. Yeah, so they took off the arm, rotated it one centimeter forward, and put it back on. <laughs> the most and now it's just clean. The most cyberpunk right. statement now, of this podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's clean. So when I'm holding the, the cards, it looks great. Wow. That's the kind of, that's the kind of store they are. It's like they, wow. you just go in, they measure it, they measure you, they make sure your, your suit fits you, looks good on you, help you pick out what the colors are, what the shirt is, what the shoes are, what the belt is, like everything. They help you sort of like design the suit and then they make sure that it fits perfectly. Wow. I'll take you up on uh, that. And, it, re- that sounds and it reminds me, it reminds me of Egypt back in the days. So <laughs> it's really nice to have that sort of like in the Netherlands because it's a little hard to travel to Cairo every time I need a suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited to be on a stage. I'm a little nervous. I don't know. Uh, like by now it's over by the time people listen to it. But. Wait, you're but you've been on like you live on a stage. <laughs> I, I lived. 
yes. on a stage. Yeah. With a couple like, of years at least. It's yeah, been sure. a year and a half. Like yeah. the last time I was on a stage was uh, March of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Fe- February 2020 for me. Yeah, it's it's September January 2021. Yeah. So yeah. I've not been on a stage and this is an orchestra. So I'm like very strictly timed. I have like a minute <laughs> and a half for each of my segments. I need to get my story out. It's in Dutch, which is not my public speaking yeah. language either. Yeah. Uh, I can't improvise on this one. And it's an orchestra right? so they can st- play, play the music that will show you off the stage themselves. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> They can do like they can do like a rim shot with really big, really good percussions. If I make a bad joke, there's just gonna be there's gonna be a worm in the background. Hit the symbols, get the sky yeah, out of here. So you know, you, you and you have to do like you have to do things like pronounce people's name correctly. Oh no, yeah. Which there is some really hard names in. <laughs> In composition, we're doing uh, we're doing the um, we're doing the guy that did the The Witcher Three, Blood oh, and Wine. Oh, yes. nice! Yes. And his name it's a Polish name, and it kind of goes Pshibovovich. Oh my god! How but ma- it's spelled like how many Z's in the L with the dash through O W I C Z. And I just I on my note I just have written it as Pshib. Whoa, <laughs> right? Just how you pronounce it yeah, instead of how it's written. Exactly. Transliterate it. Oh man, that's, oh. that's gonna be hilarious. Right. It's gonna be a thing. Man, uh, send us the photos. I'd love to see them. We'll do. And we'll good do. luck on stage. You're kick-ass. I'm pretty Shokra. sure you'll do. Shokra. You'll do great as always. Inshallah. Yes. Inshallah. <laughs> um, for some sake, send us emails at info <laughs> at the <laughs> <laughs> um, Please, Shama, please. Read them and reply to you. I have this been, poor man. I this poor been, man just wants emails. That's all. Wants emails. This is this is the tragedy of it all. I get way too many emails. I don't need more emails. I don't know why I got obsessed with. Osama really emails. needs more emails. He needs more emails. Send him all the emails. He will review your games as well. So oh, send him no, reviews. No, don't do well. that. Oh no! What are you signing me up for? Right, don't time to finish Deathloop. <laughs> don't send him reviews. Send the review copies to me. Yeah. <laughs> send Osama the emails. Send Osama the emails. Um, Perfect. But for the rest, we'll see you next week for another episode of the Habibis. But for the time being, salam. 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 That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I am Fauzi Masmar, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Fawzimasmar. My fellow Habibis were Osama Dorias, who you can find on Twitter at Osama Dorias. And Rami Ismail, who you can find on Twitter at THA underscore Rami. Send us your questions, stories, and suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. Intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubela. And the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea with new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcasting service or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening. Salam. <laughs>